How are you all doing out there in quarantine land? It is a weird time to be alive, my friends, but I contend a wonderful time to think that in a world that has so much divisiveness, in a way, we're kind of all on the same collective page right now, at least in terms of the fact that we're all in this together. And that's kind of unprecedented, which is kind of a comforting thought. As Providence would have it, our very special guest today, who, by the way, was scheduled long before any of this worldwide weirdness, is someone I think has some thoughts for us about getting through some of this weirdness. And I know I'm saying the word weird a lot, and it's probably not the last time, but on we go. Her name is Amanda Barrett, or as I like to call her, Amanda R. Barrett, because the R is for research. She's a tea drinker, a story spinner, and a servant of her savior, not to mention a best-selling author. And she was here not quite a year ago talking about her fabulous book called My Dearest Dietrich. And I am so very thrilled to welcome her back. Welcome, Amanda. It is such a joy to be here, Nancy. Oh, I am just telling you, I'm thrilled to have you back. I'm thrilled that you want to be back. And I think you're back for such a time as this. So first question, I, we just got to get right to it. So how are you dealing with the quarantine stuff? What's, what's going on in your world? Drinking lots of tea, reading lots of books, doing lots of baking. I don't know if it's stress baking or just baking and just enjoying some some slowdown time. It's been a time. I mean, there's been a lot of stress, a lot of, you know, you know, the world every day seems to be changing and shifting. But in a way, it's been a time of rest, too. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that. Baking and reading, yes, those are the great equalizers of all stress relief, so I highly respect that. So, um, okay, how about this? Any, uh, What are you watching these days? Any binge watching, or are you far too productive for that? Oh, no, yes, been doing lots of watching. Um, what, going since, you know, I can't go out and get movies from, like, the video store, from the library, library since all that shut down, so I've been just going through some of my favorites. Um, we recently watched a wonderful um, BBC miniseries based on Charles Dickens' novel, Little, Little Dorrit. It stars Claire Foy from The Crown and Matthew McFadden. And it's just this wonderful, I think it's about maybe 14 hours just exploring this Dickens, Dickens novel. And there's really quirky characters and wonderful London setting. And so we've been watching that. And that's been awesome and fun. Awesome. Well, that's great. Okay, so you heard it, folks. Another recommendation for you. See, we're, we are here to serve during this time of need. So, um, okay, and okay, I got to ask you, uh, what are you doing that you just never have time to do right now? Because that's that seems to be all the rage. Get to those projects. Any projects going on for you? You know, because I've still been working from home on my writing, I haven't been getting to like, you know, cleaning out my closets or anything, not not doing a lot of Marie Kondoing at the moment. But I have been taking a lot of walks, I think, because, you know, I can't, you know, not getting out, not seeing people, but just getting out, just getting out in nature. So I really I've been enjoying that. I kind of feel like a Jane Austen heroine, you know, who goes and takes long walks through the through the English countryside. So that's been really nice and something that I hope to continue, you know, after this, even after all this craziness is over. Yes, yes, there are these little silver linings all over the place if we just dare to look. So good, good on you. I Again, mad props to you for the walks, the baking, the reading, all of it. Um, we're going to get through this time, and that's why, actually, I think you're here today, because I, I really think that you have, in your knowledge and in your research, you have some stuff that I think might might be an encouragement. In fact, not just might, I know it's going to be an encouragement. So let's get to it. So here's here's why we're here today. I wanted to glean a little more about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, 
from you because you you wrote so well about him and you've researched him so well and we're coming up on i believe the 75th anniversary of his martyrdom um and but not only that i the the thing is i think his life's work speaks so much to some of what we're going through today even possibly right now so i thought it seemed like a good idea to gather up what we can in this hour so are you game Oh, yes, absolutely. And I totally agree because I've been kind of revisiting Bonhoeffer, you know, the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I wrote an article about how he would have dealt with all this. And just so I was just pouring and looking through his work again after kind of being away from it for a while. And I was just I was so encouraged. You know, I wrote the art, the articles to hopefully encourage other people, but it ended up just really blessing me. So I'm absolutely game. All right. All right. So here, let's let's start here, because I know you were you were here before and you gave us some background before. And I highly encourage uh, if you haven't heard that podcast, go back. It's from June of 2019. But um, before you go back or in the meantime, let's let's start here. I maybe how about a little background on who Dietrich Bonhoeffer was anyway? I think that would be helpful. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor, and he was an author and a theologian during World War II, who, because of his um, deep belief in God and his deep love for the Jewish people, believed that he felt called to take responsible action against Hitler's regime. And that action led to his imprisonment um, for his resistance activities, and it eventually led to his execution at the hands of the Nazis in April 1945, just a few weeks before the war officially ended. Okay, so so you're you're painting this picture of this of this guy who had a lot to say, who reached out during a time of war, really. And you know, I, I don't know about you, but I've been hearing a lot of analogies. Oh, this is kind of this is a war, not kind of like a war. We're in a war right now, and of course, it's not the same kind of war as World War II, and we're not fighting the Nazis, but we are we are fighting. Uh, a virus that's going around and all the implications economically and otherwise and even our own anxiety. So so this is where I, I'm thinking there's some transcendence and some transference. So I found some quotes, some Dietrich Bonhoeffer quotes, which I'm almost sure you probably will know each and every one, but I wanted to throw some quotes out to you and just let you go. Just let you extrapolate on that because, like I said, I have a feeling you already, you're already familiar with them. Um, and let's just see. Let's just see where we go. So how, how does that sound? That sounds great. Okay. All right. So here's, here's my, we got to start here. This, this one, I think, just says it all. We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. Oh, my goodness. I love that quote. And I think that that's one of the ones that I came upon. Yes, that to me, I think Bonhoeffer really lived that out. His life was constantly interrupted, you know, by God's plans. And that's something that he really wrote about when he was in prison. I mean, he was in prison in Tegel prison in Berlin for 18 months. And during that time, he missed out on his best friend's wedding. And and then he was still in prison a year later when his best friend's wife, who was actually his niece, gave birth to a baby boy who was Dietrich's godchild and namesake. And so his life was constantly interrupted by, you know, he wanted to be doing certain things that then he was unable to do. He wanted to get out of prison and marry his fiance Maria. And he wanted to be there for his friend to preach at his wedding, but he wasn't able to do any of those things and so for him I think he had to surrender a lot of that you know he had to say you know not my will Lord but what your will for me even if that will was very painful and for Dietrich it was painful it was hard to be in prison you know his he had parents who were 
who were elderly, and he wanted to be out there taking care of them and helping them because Berlin was being bombed at the time, but he wasn't able to do that. And so I think for him, if it really came back to being, you know, to surrendering to God and surrendering to those interruptions and trusting that God had his hand on his life. Yeah, and you know, it reminds me of another quote, um, John Lennon, life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. And, you know, the things that you listed off, you know, he missed the uh, the wedding, he missed his God's child uh, being born, he, his own marriage, his own plans. These are a lot of disappointments. And, you know, it's one thing to be inconvenienced. Okay, my day got interrupted, didn't go the way I wanted to. But right now, it, we're like in a massive worldwide interruption. Everyone's life has been interrupted. And that includes a lot of disappointment. So what if he were here today, what, what do you think he might have to say to, to speak into some of these disappointments we're facing right now? Well, there's a letter that he wrote to his best friend Eberhard when he said that he wasn't, he told Eberhard, you know, I don't think I'm going to be out of prison in time to be there to see your child born. And he said that, you know, but we have to believe that this is all turned out for good and that, you know, God has this in good, even if right now we can't see the good in this situation. So I think he would also, he would be saying that, you know, he would be saying that, you know, God does have a plan, even if that plan is difficult. And I think he'd also be saying, you know, just to trust and to grow, but also to understand that we are human. One of my favorite um, Bonhoeffer things that Bonhoeffer's ever wrote was the poem, Who Am I? And in that poem, I think we really get to see the human side of Bonhoeffer. You know, we think of him, you know, he was this hero, he was martyred, but he was also a very human man who struggled with human emotions. And I would highly recommend reading the poem, Who Am I? Check it out. It's really great. It really encouraged me rereading it again. But, you know, that he says that, you know, who am I? Am I this or the other? Am I one person today or tomorrow another? Am I both? At once, a hypocrite before others or before myself, a contemptibly woebegone weakling, or is something within me still like a beaten army, fleeing in disorder from victory already achieved? Who am I? They mock me, these lonely questions of mine. Whoever I am, thou knowest, O God, I am thine. And I just, to me, that, I just love that. You know, I've, I have that poem practically memorized just because it's spoken to me so many times. So I think that he would be saying to remember that we are always God's, no matter what we're going through, no matter how hard it gets, that we do always belong to God. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, that God, he has a plan, and we can trust him because underneath all of that, why do we trust him? Because he's good right? He's good. And in times like these, we have to remind ourselves, especially when we don't understand what's going on, right? We have to believe that God is good. Otherwise, what what do we have left? We, we have our own goodness. So I think that that's like a lifeline for right now. It is, yeah. And I think that also just remembering that Jesus himself, while he was on earth, you know, he faced very human things. He faced disappointment. He faced, you know, pain and discouragement. So remembering that, you know, Jesus himself, you know, was on earth walking beside, you know, living the human life. I think that's also something that's really comforting, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That he's not just on high saying, you know, with the scepter of, you know, saying, you know, dictating all right, you need to live this way or that way. And, you know, he's not this far off distant. He, he's human. He's human. He, he walked where we walk. He knows. He knows what we feel. So speaking of hope and life and truth, so we're going to move on to the next quote. Um, I love this one. There is meaning in every journey that is unknown to the traveler. 
Yes, that's an, that's another really good one. Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly where that came from, um, um, what book of his that was in. But I love that because I think, you know, I think even for Bonhoeffer, so much of his life was a was unknown. I mean, um, right before the war in 1939, he decided that he couldn't fight in Hitler's war of aggression, and so his friends in America got him this comfortable teaching job in America at a theological seminary. And so he traveled to America intending to take the job, but then 26 days after that, he got back on a boat and went back to Germany because the entire time he was in America, he felt this unrest that that this was not where God wanted him to be. And so he went back to Germany, you know, knowing that there was going to be a war, knowing that he was going to have to make some hard decisions during that war, but he went because he felt like it was where God was leading him. And, you know, he didn't know that it was going to take him to his execution, you know, at Flossenburg. And he didn't know any of that. But he went, you know, in faith because it was what God was telling him to do, you know, to take that next step. And sometimes I think all we really can do is take the next step on that unknown journey. And then taking that next step, like you said, we, d- we don't know where that step is going to lead us, but we do know what to do next. I think that's that's one thing that we need to remind ourselves of continually, especially now, we we don't know about a year from now, maybe even six months from now, but but God often doesn't show us that far out because we don't need to know yet, right? We're on a need to know basis, but we know, you know, the next step of obedience and the next step after that. And there is meaning in those things in and of itself. It's just incredible to think about these things. Okay, so quote number three, I'm looking, I have a whole list of them here. Let me see. Um, okay, so quote number three, here's here's how I want to set this up. Um, because, you know, we have a lot more downtime now, a lot more time to think about things, um, and consequently, probably a lot more time to, to think about things that bother us, about the people that we're close with right now, i.e. getting annoyed. So here's the quote, nothing that we despise in other men is inherently absent from ourselves. We must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or don't do and more in light of what they suffer. That, yeah, that is great. And I love that, that one by Bonhoeffer. And I think that that is really true. We're we're at, all of us, you know, who are, you know, we're isolating at home and we're with our families, maybe some of us for a lot more time than what we used to spend with our families. And there's not those distractions. I mean, we can't just go down to the mall and get away from from them or go out to a restaurant you know we have to stay at home and that's definitely going to involve us you know really it's going to be um like a shaping of ourselves you know to grow you know to become better you know as people as we face that and so and so i feel that that yeah that's a really wonderful quote that bonhoeffer did live out i mean in prison he was with guards who were very you know who were very unkind and he still and even when he went from tegel prison to the prison um, in the Gestapo prison in Berlin, which was more of an underground prison, um, somebody who was with him said that he was able, by his kindness, to win some of these guards over who were just not nice people. And yeah, I think that that one's really applicable for what we're going through now to remember that, you know, our the people we live with are also human and we're, they're also suffering and we're all suffering in different ways and processing in different ways. And I think this needs to be a time where we give each other just immense grace, both grace to ourselves and grace to the people around us. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Because isn't it easy to just get, to just get caught up in our own little bubble uh, you know, of suffering? My little isolated world, this is what I'm going through, everything is stress, and, 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 and it's legit. We are all going through something. But in that, we have to remember, oh, if I'm going through this, so is my 
So are the people living in my house. So are my next door neighbors. So is everybody else literally right now. That's why I say this is such a unique time in the world because I'm out, you know, I'm walking around the block, right? I'm getting out and doing my little social distance walking. And, you know, you see somebody cross the street and, and we're smiling at each other and waving. But it's like you automatically know everyone you meet right now, we're all on the same page. We're all thinking the same things, you know, maybe not exactly, but we're all, you know, this is on everybody's mind at once. And I think that's, it's so important to keep that in mind right now. Yeah, I think it can really give us, you know, a new compassion for people and that this at this time we can even, we can get more creative at ways that we can reach out. Um, Something, you know, just to go back to Bonhoeffer, when he was in this prison in Berlin, which was like this really high security Gestapo prison, he would pass little scripture verses on little slips of paper to people in the shower room, you know, just to encourage them you know they couldn't really talk because they were being guarded but he would pass these little notes and that's something that we can do today I mean we can you know send a Facebook message we can write a handwritten card to somebody you know who is maybe elderly and staying at home by themselves there are just so many ways that we can you know get creative to reach out you know because we have so much technology available to us and so many options and sometimes I just think we just need to be able to do that you know Oh, my. Yeah, even and the low tech options. I don't know if you live in a neighborhood where there's sidewalks, but um, I don't and or if you've been seeing this even on Facebook, people are writing messages on their driveways and their sidewalks to encourage their neighbors. And I just I love that. Yeah, I think I saw that somebody is they're painting rocks and placing them. And I just thought that's so pretty, you know, like, you know, you'll get through this or something and, you know, making them. I just I love that. You know, it just shows that we can come together. We can be a community. We don't have to live in division, but we can, you know, support and help each other. Oh, and I love you just gave me perfect segue for the next quote. OK, because community. Yes, community. Like we've it's a word we've been, you know, we're quite familiar with that word. We use it a lot, especially, you know, in, in, the, in the church. It's all about community, right? Doing life together. And right now we are keenly aware of our need for community because we're missing that physical presence of other people. So we're doing all these creative things to to try to build community. So here's the quote. The community of the saints is not an ideal community consisting of perfect and sinless men and women when, where there is no need of further repentance. No, it is a community which proves that it is worthy of the gospel of forgiveness by constantly and sincerely proclaiming God's forgiveness. There you have it. Yeah, so Bonhoeffer really, he really wanted to explore Christian community. Um, you know, in the 1930s, he um, he formed this seminary for these young pastors to train them in the truth of scripture versus, you know, the truth of the Reich Church, which was really what was being um, trumpeted at that time. And so he got them together at this old rambling house, and they all had to live together. And he had these rules. One of the rules was that you couldn't talk about someone if the person was not in the room. So he didn't want Ooh. people gossiping. And, you know, he had rules, you know, like, and, and that you had to start the day, you couldn't start the day, um, you know, just by starting your day, how you wanted to start it, you had to start the day with like a half hour of, you know, scripture reading. And during that time, there couldn't be talking, you know, you couldn't talk to each other, you just had to let the first word of the day 
be God's word. And so I think he set these things into place so this Christian community could flourish. And so thinking about, you know, how that can relate to us, I mean, how can we, you know, encourage our family members during this time, you know, to li- as brothers and sisters in Christ, or even if you live with family members who are unsaved, you know, how can you maybe use your life right now to be a witness to them? You know, people are watching all of us. I think that's something we have to remember that, you know, even if we're not, you know, on like the public stage, you know, there are eyes watching us and, you know, really we can be Christ to other people or we can you know, show the flip side, you know, we can show living in a way contrary to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, like you said, what what if, what if we started our day with words of life, right? With, you know, it's, it's not like, hey, it's not like we're not all in this place now where all of a sudden our, our mornings have freed up a little bit. So what if we use that time to fill ourselves up with words of life, getting quiet, uh, being filled up so that we can do what you're talking about and what he talked about? I mean, just the the whole gossip thing alone what it like what if we could get through one whole day without gossiping and you know a lot of times in the church and i have i have people listening that are you know church people and not church people but i think we both you know both camps can can relate to this you know well I'm not gossiping, but I'm concerned about so-and-so, right? We frame it in terms of concern or a prayer request or, you know, um, but what if we could get through a whole day just giving people the benefit of the doubt? Wow. How might that change our community? Yeah, and then Bonhoeffer, one of the things is he learned this stuff in the 1930s, you know, while he was at Finkenwalde, and then when he was in prison and his life was so much more difficult, he continued those daily practices of starting, you know, the day with scripture reading. So, you know, I mean, our lives may be very hard right now, but they could get a lot worse. You know, we could, we don't know what's coming up. So, oh, so how might you're this right now be that. like our training ground for the future? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to pause there because I I just want to share this. I meant to share this earlier, but so I don't know about you, Amanda, but I've been getting a lot of memos about slowing down and not just in these past few weeks, but really for me, it's been the past few years. And I I don't know. I'm wondering if it's not just me. So I, I, I don't know. Has this been a theme for you at all? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think that sometimes if we don't slow down, God will almost force us to slow down. I've had seasons Mm. in my life a few years ago, I dealt with a lot of health issues. And so that was a time when I was like literally forced to slow down because I didn't feel well enough to do other things. And I think that that was God kind of preparing me for the next season, which is when I started um, publishing my books. And so sometimes I think that these times of slow down are really good God, you know, giving us a chance to rest, giving us a chance to grow. So then we can be stronger for the next season, which may be him moving us into a place of, you know, action. Right. Because like you said, you know, times it's hard right now, but you know, it could get harder. I, I'm using the term weird, um, but I think it, it could get weirder, you know, and here's the thing. It's like, if you look and you look back, right. And now we have the kind of time now to be a little more reflective and, and introspective to look back. How have I been prepared for what we're dealing with right now? And here's the thing, you know, today's answer to prayer or today's preparation becomes tomorrow's need, tomorrow's prayer request, the thing that we need to be equipped for tomorrow. So not only have we been prepared for now, now we are being prepared for what's to come. And we don't need to fear that, but we just need to be aware that this is, you know, this is a time to use those tools and to sharpen them because we're going to, we're going to need them going forward. Yes, yes, I totally agree. That's, that's so good. 
in that spirit, so I, I'm got, I got another quote for you right here. Um, and this one, I know you're going to know it because I even know this one. This is maybe maybe one of his most famous quotes. Um, and just I think it speaks to maybe some of the hard things that, that we're seeing now and in our culture and that we may see in the days of heaven. So here we go. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Yeah, that's another really wonderful quote. And I think Bonhoeffer really lived that out. I think that he saw that, you know, we we either are for something or we're against something, you know, by our by our silence or by our voices. And that also really, I think, points to um, the book that my book that comes out in May um, about the White Rose students, you know, these college students who distributed these leaflets across Germany. And I think that what I've been, you know, learning, you know, through studying both Bonhoeffer's lives and their lives is that all of us really can be a force for good. And, and even if one voice rises, you know, that's a beginning, you know, and one, our voice may feel small to us, but I think it really, you know, we can inspire others by our actions. And Bonhoeffer definitely did that. I mean, so much of his life was going against the culture, but yet look at how he's inspired so many people who came after him, even if he died as, you know, the Nazis deemed him a traitor. You know, he didn't die and wasn't, you know, um, hailed as a martyr, but, you know, they called him a traitor. And, but think of what his life and his legacy that he has left just because he was faithful to, as he said, um, God's question and call. So using your voice, and this is what I find really interesting in the quote, and and really you pulled this out. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. It doesn't focus on what we should speak against. He just says we need to speak, right? We need to speak in the face of evil. So I I, I say that because a lot of times I think Christians have been uh, accused of being known what we're against more than what we are for. And I, we could debate about that, but but I think you know, for the sake of it, I, I think it's it's a good thing to keep in mind that it's not just about speaking against evil; it's about speaking for good, about speaking words of life and words of truth, right? To use your voice and to bring healing and hope and encouragement, and that's exactly what he did. So I think that's just so important to grab hold of that. Yes, he, yes, he definitely did that. That's something that, you know, through his life and even, you know, when he wasn't on, you know, he wasn't, um, you know, a theolo- theology teacher here. He wasn't, wasn't the shepherd of this group of young pastors. Even when he was only speaking into one person's life, you know, like at Tego prison, when he would encourage a guard or some prisoner who was in the prison infirmary, you know, he used that and considered speaking truth into that one person's life just as important as when he was speaking, you know, in front of the pulpit, you know, to hundreds of people. Right. So on that note, I have one more quote for you. And then I do want to, you just mentioned your book, and I want to talk about that because uh, I'm really, really excited about that. So, um, But here's, here's the quote, and I think this kind of wraps this all up. Building community, speaking life, speaking hope, speaking truth, encouraging people. Here's what he had to say. We are not to simply bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the wheel itself. Yes, that is one of my favorites. And I think before that, it says something like that. The church has an unconditional obligation to the victims of any ordering of society. It's that it's not that the church like has they have a choice or it's this optional. There's this there's this obligation that, you know, we have to use as the body of Christ. You know, we have to be 
be used for healing. And I think that goes back to another one of his quotes where he said, if there's this driver, you know, plowing through a group of people and killing them, should I, should I just stand by and wait to bandage the victims who are being crushed? Or should I actually take the rest, the wheel out of the hand of the driver? And that's what he came to do. And that's how he, um, wow, how he, you know, determined that he was going to become involved in the conspiracy against Hitler. And so, yeah, I love that quote because I think that that's something that we can, we can really grab hold of and, you know, use and think about, you know, where is God calling me to act in this, you know, in this situation? Yeah, and you know, we might automatically go to, well, I'm, you know, I'm no Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm not going to be on a worldwide stage having this huge platform. I just have this small life. But isn't that kind of the point where, you know, we're all called, whatever God puts in front of us or whatever lies before us, we're called to be obedient to that. So it may be intervening for your next door neighbor, or it may be in your own household. It may be dealing with your own heart and the injustice and all the mixture that we have just dealing with ourselves. But the the point is, are we willing to go there? Are we willing to to interrupt that wheel of injustice, right? To drive that spoken and and not just again to be against things, but to be for life, to be for hope and joy and all you know all the things that make life worth living. Yes, yes, I, that's so, that is so true. So now I want to talk to you about this book that you've written that's coming out in May. The book is called The White Rose Resists. Tell us about this story. I'm vaguely familiar with it, but I cannot wait to read this book. Yeah, I am so excited about sharing this story. It kind of came to me through researching my dearest Dietrich. And so um, in, the, in 1942, um, there were this group of German college students who attended the University of Munich. And um, my story focuses on Sophie Scholl, who was the sister of the leader of the main um, leader of the group. And she was 21 years old. And she, along with her brother, they printed and distributed leaflets across Munich and then across Germany. They um, brought in their reach. And the thousands of these copies of leaflets, you know, proclaiming things like, you know, that that we have to sabotage, we have to, you know, telling the truth about Hitler. And because of that, they were caught in February of 1943, and five days later, they were executed. And Sophie was only 21 years old at the time. And so it's this other, it's this really great story of courage and of, you know, standing up in the face of injustice, you know, and sacrificing, you know, even unto our lives, you know, for truth, if that's what it comes to. And so I'm just, I'm really excited to share this story. It comes out May 26th, and I'm, I'm just, I love Sophie and just the entire story, and so I'm really excited to share it. And I think, you know, we're all looking for a hero right now. And, you know, we have plenty of heroes in our midst even today, but we need that inspiration. We need people to look to. And even though, you know, it's it's a hard story, right? You know, we, we, we want that. <laughs> we want that. And they all lived happily ever after ending. But I would contend that even, even for people like Sophie Scholl and Dietrich Bonhoeffer and so many others who didn't love their lives so much that they weren't willing to speak the truth for them they do have a happy ending because they live for something greater than their own life and their lives did not end as our lives do not end even when we take our last breath here there is there is eternity which is set within all of our hearts 
Oh, yes, and that's absolutely begging me to say one of my favorite Bonhoeffer quotes, quotes, which he said in less than 24 hours before his death, right before he was taken to Flossenburg concentration camp. He said, this is the end, but for me, the beginning of life. And I just love that because it really spoke to that. He knew that he was dying and going going to a glorious eternity. He didn't consider, you know, life the end-all be-all, but merely, you know, a passage on the way to, you know, the, the, the true freedom, which is what he called, you know, eternity was true freedom. And so... so I absolutely love that, and I think that's just one of my favorite favorite Bonhoeffer quotes. Amen to that. You know, the best is yet to come. And even at the same time as I say that, another scripture comes to mind that I think it's in Psalm 27, that I would have despaired unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So we, we live in this, it seems like a duality. Yes, the best is yet to come. But also, even in these weird days that we're in, even even in worldwide quarantining and and whatever is to come god is good today and we can experience his goodness today in the midst of all of it he'll equip us for what's to come tomorrow and amanda i'm so looking forward to this book coming out um now i understand you're forming a launch team and i don't know if that launch team is already is already set but if if not if you want to talk about that i would love to give you a chance to uh, give a shout out absolutely so yes so um, if you follow me on my the page Amanda Barrett author um there is a link to to the forum and yeah I'm still definitely looking for some people um if you have a vibrant social media platform and you love reading historical fiction and would like to help me spread the word about the book um you can go to my Facebook page and find the forum is on there and you can fill it out and then I will go through those and yes I'm forming forming a really great Facebook community we've got a lot of really great people on there and we're just really enjoying getting to know each other and I'm sharing a bit more about the book so yes please feel free to um check that out well, I think that's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity, and they can find you on Facebook. And did you already mention your website? Because I think people just need to check you out in general, because you've written so many other novellas and novels, and you have just so many cool things on your on your website. I would love for people to check you out. Yes, my website is amandabarrett.net, and, and there's lots of fun stuff on there. There's a short story I've written. There's an excerpt from my dearest Dietrich. So if you're bored and looking for some things to read, um, yeah, feel free to check my website out as well. All right, and there you have it. And Amanda, I really, I hope that we can have you back when this book comes out in May, uh, because I think there's just going to be so much more to talk about. Yes, this has been wonderful. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you just, you know, keep keep baking, keep walking and your your Jane Austen walks and uh, pass on any good shows that you're watching and we will look forward to talking with you in a few months. Thank you so much, Nancy. So, I'd get cracking on that book launch team if I were you, because once you read it, you're gonna want to tell everyone about it anyway, so you might as well be in it to win it. The book is called The White Rose Resists, and I can't wait to talk about it. You can find her on Facebook or at her own website, both of which bear her name, Amanda Barrett. That's B-A-R-R-A-T-T. Oh, and hey, I'm so glad you're listening, because... You are listening, right? But did you know I have a whole website with more great podcasts like these and also some blog posts and even an occasional original quarantine song. And you get to see what I actually look like. I call them the no makeup sessions. So there's that. You can find it all on isleofmisfits.com. That's I-S-L-E of misfits.com, where our mission in life 
is to help you own your awkward, to love your fellow misfit, and to look for beauty and truth everywhere. And hey, we got some more time to figure these things out. So that's your mission, should you choose to accept it.